Hello everyone. The reading this evening is from Romans chapter 11, starting at verse 33, through to chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 11, starting at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has made known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory for ever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Good evening. Now we're looking this evening at this wonderful passage about what is genuine worship. Let's pray that we'll get clear on this. Lord, we thank you that you've taught us everything we need to know about how to please you. Lord, we pray tonight as we look at this short passage that you'll lead us to thinking as you think for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, I'm focusing particularly on uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. J.B. Phillips, in his modern translation of this, says this. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. There's a pub in Gravely that had a sign up recently, under new management. Now, you can guess the reason for that. It's saying a new start's been made. Perhaps the old management wasn't quite up to it and the new managers are saying, yeah, we're going to be better. I suspect it's there to attract new customers. But it's saying it has changed for the better. Now, this is what this passage is all about. A Christian is someone who's under new management. A new manager's been installed. He's the Lord Jesus. Be a great text, wouldn't it, for a baptism service uh, in which people declare that they're starting a new life under new management. They've identified that the Lord Jesus is now their Lord. And it's an act of consecration, baptism is. But it's more than that, surely. It's something each one of us need to be able to say every morning. We're under new management. If you look at our verse, you notice it starts in the plural. It addresses all Christians, male and female. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's worship. But then it hones down and he speaks to each Christian individually. You see, it says, this is your singular act of worship, your spiritual act of worship. I think it's a great shame that in 
some modern churches, worship is equated with music and singing. They have worship leaders for the singing. But you notice what scripture says about worship here. Offering ourselves as living sacrifices. That is living for the Lord Jesus 24-7. Worship is not something you do at a particular time. It's a life spent serving the Lord Jesus. We serve the Lord Jesus. We worship him by letting people around us know that we are under new management. We are consecrated to the Lord's service. So baptism is just the initiation. The whole point is to keep on living this new life. It's so easy to have the external trappings of being a Christian. You can be baptised, you can be confirmed, even get ordained. Uh, you can wear a Christian cross, but not be living for the Lord Jesus. Our private lives betray where we really stand. Poor Matt Hancock, the uh, man who's just retired as our health secretary, has just realised this. We are what we do in private. Politicians need to know this. You, know, you can put on a, a wedding ring, but it doesn't mean to say that you're, you're living a good married life. Do you remember the hippies in the 60s? Some of those dressed up in, in Russian army uniforms. It doesn't mean to say they're living under the authority of the uh, Russian military. Now, look at this passage. It's got four very important points about worship. Firstly, it's a response to God's mercy. Notice it starts, therefore, we all know, Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore? And it refers back to the earlier part of the book, particularly chapters 9 to 11, which describe the amazing way that God has brought a people to himself and is changing them into being a holy people. And it's summarised if you look at verses 33 to 36 of of the previous chapter, chapter 11, which we included in the reading. Let me just do it again. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, who has ever given to God that God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him, all things are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's why we worship. Do you remember what happened on the cross? One thief ridiculed Jesus, but the other rebuked him. You shouldn't talk like that, he said. He didn't do anything wrong. So why is Jesus on the cross if he didn't do anything wrong? Because the cross was there to punish people. The second thief realised that he was dying for him. And he said to the first thief, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? 
fear God? We are punished justly, but we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. This God-man has done nothing wrong. And at that point, he publicly acknowledges who Jesus is. Do you remember? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That a wonderful statement of faith. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. How on earth can a sinner ever expect to be admitted to heaven? The answer is on that cross, God's love for me was demonstrated. He who had no sin became sin for us. Everyone know where that comes? If you don't, look it up on your uh, concordance, on your uh, laptop or something. He who had no sin became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might worship. When we become Christians, this truth is realised. You know the story of C.T. Studd, he was the England cricketer, He came from a very privileged background. He went to Eton, Trinity College in Cambridge. But in 1884, his brother George was taken very seriously ill. And Charles, C.T., was confronted by the question, what is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes face to face with eternity? Well, he committed his life to Christ. But um, unfortunately, the cricketing life took over. And as he said, for the next six years, he was in a state of unhappy, backslidden state. He was living for this world, not for the world to come. Then he realised. He said this, I know that cricket would not last and honour would not last. And nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. That's worship. As you probably know, he uh, went to China as a missionary. He joined a group of six others and became the Cambridge Seven. He later went to Africa as a missionary. And he wrote that very famous poem. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It was in his diary that uh, these words were found. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice that I make for him can ever be too great. That's worship. When we are gripped by God's love, no sacrifice is too great. Well, the next point is that true faith must result in sacrifices. In the Old Testament, you know, there are two types of sacrifices. The first group is called propitiatory, sorry, to remove our sin, to put us right with God. But these had to be followed by other sacrifices that were called dedicatory. 
They demonstrated our thanks and our dedication to God because our sin had been forgiven by the first sacrifice. Now, for us, we have exactly the same situation. The propitiatory sacrifice, that's been paid by Jesus. Our sin has been forgiven for all time. That's why we don't need altars in churches. It's up to us then to offer a dedicatory sacrifice in response to being forgiven. Uh, the first dedicatory sacrifice is to go public for the Lord Jesus. Do you remember uh, Peter at Pentecost? They said, what should we do? Repent and be baptised, every one of you, and you will receive the forgiveness of sins, Christ has died for you, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. New Christians must publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ. Without that open confession, there's real doubt whether you've really turned to Christ. Well, there's some people who say, well, my Christianity is not that type. It's, it's more personal. It's more conceptual and theoretical. It's, it's an ethical sort of thing. It's about my living, how I live my life. Beware, that's not Christianity. That's Pelagianism. It's a religion of works. I'm trying to live a good life, but our good life cannot put us right with God. We need Jesus to die as a propitiation for our sins, to put us right with God. Then, and only then, can our dedication, our sacrifices of dedication, have any relevance. A true Christian then dedicates all their life to pleasing Jesus sacrificially. That's worship. In the uh, 21st century, there are many things that we can use our, our bodies for. We see it a lot on the, on the telly. We build up our muscles. We build up our careers. We enjoy our sex lives. There's so many things. But the Christian enjoys living for and pleasing the Lord Jesus. Many of you have heard of John Stott, the great uh, Bible teacher. Every morning, he would take Romans 12, 1 to 2 as the basis for his opening prayer. Here I am, Lord, he'd say. I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice today, to offer you my hands, my tongue, my feet, my mind, my life, to offer these to you afresh. I don't remember that hymn by the Victorian, again, Francis Ridley, have a girl. You know, Take my life and let it be. <laughs> it was during a visit that she made as a, a, a young lady to North Wales in 1873, and she read J.T. Renford's little booklet, uh, All for Jesus. 
And this had a remarkable effect because she then understood what real worship was. And she said, this lifted my whole life into sunshine. All I previously experienced was but as pale and passing April gleams compared with the fullness of summer glory. It's true. Sacrificial worship of Jesus is the way to really enjoy a relationship with him. So, as she wrote in that hymn, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them follow in endless praise. So, worship is firstly a response to God's grace, and secondly, it results in sacrifices. Thirdly, it says no to fitting in with everyone else in the world. It means saying yes to being changed. You know, Philip's translation is very apt. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould. Don't let alcohol have a major place. The key to saying no to lying and cheating and promiscuity and pride and drinking is in our minds. Set your course to conform to what God wants. That's worship. How do we do this? By constantly being instructed and absorbed into the word of God. We'll never have a renewed mind if the Bible is not central, if we're not reading it and studying it and trying to understand it. And this is why so many people stumble, because they're not living under the scrutiny and tutelage of Scripture. Can I ask, are we all learning the Bible? Are we teaching it? Are we living it? They're both key. If what you learn in your morning quiet time, you're sharing with someone else, it goes in. And then you start to live it better. And finally, we'll begin to discover and to do the will of God. Look at verse 2. Then and then only you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. There are many people who ask, well, how do I know what God's will is? What is the, his will for my life? You know, that play I've mentioned before, Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. And these two characters just hanging around, waiting for something to happen. It's stupid. We'll never know the will of God till our life, our life is, is marked by unstinting obedience. Obedience to scripture. The will of God is for you and me to be obedient to him. So let's recap what Paul's saying here. Give yourself away. Be wholehearted. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to make him known. Now what is important, this isn't postgraduate qualification in Christian living. It's not advanced level Christianity. This is basic. This is the starting point. 
we die to self and rise up to live a new life for Christ. May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day. What a prayer. Let's pray it. Lord, please help us to be people who genuinely worship the Lord Jesus by the way we live in our obedience and the way we enthuse and share about you to other people. Lord, please be with us. Help us to be men and women who truly worship you. For Christ's sake. Amen.